Hi there, and welcome to It's Coming with Kim and Christine. I'm Kim. And I'm Christine. This is It's Coming, which is a weekly podcast that talks about the signs of the second coming. Today's signs, I don't even know that I've ever heard them as a sign. I've heard of both, but I don't think I've ever heard them in the context of them being signs. And so I am looking forward to learning more. It's the double T's today. We're talking about transfiguration and we're talking about translation. And somehow those two, Christine has figured out how they connect to the second coming. (laughs) You know, I, I recently had one of my seminary kids ask me about this, which kind of got me thinking about it. There are also some popular YouTube videos out there that I feel are misrepresenting some things. So I just thought, I'm, I just want to clarify. And if I go back to one of the reasons that we started this podcast is because there is such a plethora of information out there when it comes to the signs of the second coming. And so therefore, you know, this podcast may feel like one of many to people. We do try to differentiate from that in terms of us just trying to stick to what the scriptures teach us or what modern day prophets have taught versus get off too far in the weeds of trying to interpret that into something that we really don't know if it's true. Right. I think I want to start just with the basic definition of what transfiguration and translation means, especially for those of you who maybe have never even heard these words before, you know. <laughs> transfiguration is the it's a condition where people are temporarily changed to a higher spiritual level so they can endure the presence of a heavenly being like God or Jesus. So, for example, you had Peter, James, and John they call it now the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus took them there. He was transfigured, so they saw him in his eternal glory as the Savior of the world. They heard the voice of God. And you can't see Jesus in that type of a glorified presence without undergoing a change. Moses had that experience when he was being called as a prophet with the, you know, the burning bush. So it's a temporary thing. It's not permanent, but they have to be you have to be changed to endure the presence of a heavenly being. So that's transfiguration. It says in Doctrine and Covenants 67, starting like around in verse 10, that no man sees God in the flesh except he is quickened by the Spirit. Okay. Pretty simple. We'll come to where that falls into the second coming here in a minute. And then we've got translated beings. And these two things are sometimes confused. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Can I just share that when I thought we were doing transfiguration, I got that based on the definition that you just gave. I completely understood what transfiguration was. But when we said translation, I'm like, are we translating records? Are we (laughs) translating a language so that we all understand God? Okay, okay, okay. Totally different. All right. Yes. What's this version of translate? (laughs) Being translated is not as temporary. It's a it's a little it's not entirely permanent because you're you're still going to be resurrected one day and and your body will change. But these are people who are changed so that they won't experience pain or death until the resurrection into immortality. So, for example, John, who wrote Revelation, he is a translated being. So we believe that he is still on the earth, that he never experienced death. He does not experience pain or death, except for if, if he's sad for the wickedness of men or something. He will one day be resurrected into immortality, but right now he is translated. So also Enoch, the scriptures tell us that Enoch walked with God and then he was not for God took him. So he did not physically die. City of Enoch is all there with him. In the book of Moses, chapter seven, verse 69, it says, and Enoch and all his people walked with God and he dwelt in the midst of Zion, and it came to pass that Zion was not, for God received it up into his own bosom, and from thenceforth, saying, Zion is fled. Enoch's city of Zion, we believe, is translated. 
So again, have not experienced death, physical death, have not experienced the resurrection. And that is what it is to be translated. A couple other scriptures. Oh, so it says, no man knoweth of Moses's sepulcher unto this day. Deuteronomy 34, 5 and 6, also Alma 45, 19. So it's thought that Moses has been translated since no one ever saw him die. <laughs> or Also Elijah, he went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And then we've got who we call the three Nephites from the Book of Mormon, three of Christ's disciples here. It says that they might not taste of death, that a change was wrought upon their bodies. Some of these folks... <laughs> folks. Like Elijah and Enoch might not still be here on the earth, but they are translated. And some of them, like the three Nephites and John the Beloved, are still here on the earth, but all of them are they have the, their bodies in the same condition. In uh, Moses chapter 7, verse 27, it says, the Holy Ghost fell upon many and they were caught up to Zion. So this is like after the city had already gone to heaven. If you think about it, though, like the Lord was getting ready to have a flood that was going to destroy all the inhabitants of the earth, except those that were on the ark. And so there were some other deserving people. They were also translated prior to that event. Kind of interesting. Okay. In First Thessalonians, it says, uh, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is the scripture that kind of describes when Jesus comes in glory. Again, just like Peter, James, and John could not withstand the presence of the glorified Lord without a change going upon them, we too would be transfigured so that we would be able to withstand his presence. He's saying here in Thessalonians, he's like, there's a Trump's going to sound, right? There's always a, a Trump sounding. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So first there's a resurrection, which we've talked about before. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Here it's describing that those of us, the followers of Christ that are still on the earth, will be caught up with them in the clouds. What does that mean? Remember that there is a big, huge fire on the earth. This is one of the ways in which the Lord is saving us from the fire, right? We are physically caught up. Do you think this is literal, Christine, or do you think this could be figurative? Uh, I've always thought it was literal because there are scriptures that talk about us descending together. Hmm. I, okay. it, of course, can't really. We don't know. I mean, never, never seen anything like this happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. so it's just our imaginations working the details and filling in the blanks, but the righteous are caught up together. That's specifically what it says in verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians 4, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's what it says, that we will meet the Lord in the air. And then we descend together. Hmm. That means that we are transfigured at that time, right? Also, yeah. Doctrine and Covenants 8896 says, and the saints that are upon the earth who are alive shall be quickened, transfigured, and be caught up to meet him. And they who have slept in their graves shall come forth, for the graves shall be opened, and they also shall be caught up to meet him in the midst of the pillar of heaven. So we're physically 
caught up to meet the Lord, and then we descend together. Let's say your your mom already died. At that day, you very well might all be together. You know, it'd be pretty awesome. If we go back several podcasts ago, I don't remember exactly which podcast number it was. I probably have it here and could tell you in a second. But when we talked about, yeah, Three Second Comings, it was episode four. We talked about really that time, that that final second coming. And I say final, meaning like with the one that we really all think about right. as far as that glorious coming. Uh-huh. This is what it's going to look like. This is it. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And that's where I think you've referenced on previous podcasts that, you know, for those that are like, oh, I hope I'm around. It's like almost like, well, you'll be there. You'll be able to see it. If you're a follower of Christ, you get to attend. Whether you've lived and died or still are living. I'm just trying to envision it. My head's just trying to bring this together. And it's so interesting and fun sometimes. Like if you think back at like technology that didn't exist, I got a new cell phone yesterday. I didn't plan to, but I, how many of us have done that? We don't plan to. And then we show up at the store and the next thing I know. So I'm talking to the guy there that's working now about 2003, I was working in the cell phone industry. So when the concept of a smartphone was just coming out, I was working in business to business sales, trying to convince CEOs of companies that they should pay for data on their phone and then they could get their email. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it was funny because I was like telling the kid there, about that, right? And of course, like he's so young, he can't even like comprehend. <laughs> like you are such an old woman, right? Like I was like laughing, going because I was saying that I and I don't. I hope this doesn't cause us to lose any viewers, but I'm an Android user, and I have been since the days of BlackBerry. <laughs> so that's what I was telling the guy. Like I, uh, I've been with the same carrier, and I've been an Android user since the days of uh, before I had BlackBerry. When you know, because when this all first started, it was a BlackBerry. And uh, I had lots of different Blackberries over those years. But my point is, is like, it's so funny to think back, like for me, and I know I'm old, okay, but like, that does not feel like that long ago, where the concept of getting an email on your phone was like, brand new, and like, blowing people's minds and like (laughs) CEOs of companies like texting me and going, this has changed my life. I now golf during the day. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so, but it's so funny how, how quickly life changes and how things that we can't even really comprehend. And you try to imagine a world where that's your reality. And I think I remember like years ago or not too many years ago, but you know, people were kind of joking on social media about back to the future and the way that it portrayed the future where everyone would be on those hoverboards and instead what we are on in these little boxes on our in our hands. Like no one envisioned that as the yeah. future, right? Like, <laughs> these little handheld computers that we all carried around. Yeah, we were in the year that they went back to when that became a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's like we, our ability to really imagine what the future is going to look like is so hampered. And so anyway, my point is, is like when I think about this and trying to imagine that, it's like, it's there. It's documented. It's in the scriptures. It describes it. But yeah. you're like, really? Yeah. So like, Kim, I mean, imagine if you if you are still alive, your husband, Chris, who has died, will be there. You'll be together. Like, yeah. that'll be the first time you see him. Right? You'll be like, yeah. wow, this is awesome. I, I keep hoping your- it's not going to be the first time. Sometimes I just kind of hope, like, come on, people see people who are dead. It happens. Okay. Well. Sometimes I just think I should get that. Of course, that 
<laughs> I just think like someday he's going to just show up and I'm going to be able to have a conversation. Like face to face, not just like in my head, like where I feel pre- his presence, but more like, no, like I see him and he's right there and I can talk to him. I think about it. I don't know. God's probably going to make me wait for this day. So I will look forward to it. But that is a pretty interesting thing to think about, like how awesome that will be, especially for those that have lost people who are near to them to think that they will experience this together. Right. That mortality those bounds or binds of mortality does not determine who's there. No, it's going to be amazing for us all. That's cool. That basically sums up what the scriptures teach us about how the second coming and translation and transfiguration come into play. Okay, but wait, hold on. Transfiguration came into play, but translation is not required. No, it's not. So we're just transfigured and that's... right. I want to now just address some of the things that are brought up in some popular YouTube videos that are not. Okay. Right. But if you watch some of these YouTube videos, it will be described as if it does. So that's what I kind of just wanted to. (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't watch those videos. And it's like, okay, well, you can press stop if you want. I don't watch the videos, but I'm still interested. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> I'm going to st- I'm going to hang around. You keep going, but I'm going to hang around. <laughs> Thank you. We talked in a previous podcast about the 144,000 mm-hmm. and how they would have the seal of God on their foreheads. Some YouTube videos say, well, those people are translated because they or have this protection and translated beings have this protection. And, you know, so they're, they're like saying some, Oh, they're trying. Right. But I just want to say that the scriptures and the doctrine of the church as we find it in LDS doctrine manuals (laughs) does not support that. When it talks about the seal of God on their foreheads in one of the, this is an institute, Manual. It says that the sealing or marketing marking of the servants of our God in their foreheads is a metaphor of their devotion, service, and belonging to God. Yeah. The seal is the same term used earlier in the New Testament to describe faithful baptized saints who had received the Holy Spirit of promise. Mm-hmm. And I think this ties back to, I think we talked about it, it was episode six, where we talked about the 144,000. I'm not 100% sure if that's where we, I'm pretty sure we talked about the seal then. And that concept yeah. of it being not too different than where the scriptures reference a mark, but the, it's it's more about that, which I think is perfect here. I love that we have a quote that says, it's a metaphor. It's not a literal. Right. And there's nothing that says it means that your body has been physically changed. There's nothing like that in the scriptures or in doctrine, if that happens to be the case, that's new doctrine. That's that's mm-hmm. not something we already are told. There is protection in being a follower of Jesus Christ. Like, And maybe that protection comes because the Holy Ghost is a little bit closer to us to inspire us, and we're a little bit closer to it, to listen to it. And through which means it comes, I do feel like there is a level of protection, but that like I say, it's probably more of a spiritual protection and more of a, and it, which could be physical, right? Depending. Sure. You know, so it's interesting that it doesn't necessarily, all of us have access to that today. We don't have to wait to have some sort of translation. We have access to it today. Sure. Every single one of our 
umbrella scriptures, that's what it's talking about. Yeah. Is how the Lord is there to help and protect that us. protection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's available today. The rest of that section from the Institute Manual said, bearing this seal protects the faithful from divine judgments upon the wicked. And in this sense, the seal of God in their forehead symbolizes a protection much like the lamb's blood of the ancient Israelites in Egypt placed on the door frames to protect them from the destroying angel. The prophet Joseph Smith taught that the sealing of the faithful in their foreheads signifies sealing blessing upon their heads, meaning the everlasting covenant, thereby making their calling and election sure. So it is not anywhere being taught that it is a physical change, that, like uh, being transfigured or translated. It, it is taught no. that we are not taught that at all. I love that clarification because like I say, I think it isn't something that makes it available to a select few at a select time. Right. It's a protection every one of us has access to today. That same phrase is also used in, I think it's it's either chapter eight or nine, but it was like when the scripture was talking about that awful, awful dinging locust with the hair and all of that. (laughs) I mean, it it said that you would be saved from that if you had the seal of God on your forehead. So that is not even, that's not just the 144,000. That's not just anybody, but that that those are people that are basically following Christ and and have his protection Protection. because they're Mm -hmm. simply followers. Right. I love it. There's another scripture that is brought up in several of those YouTube videos that is Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, and also verse 14, where it talks about the woman going into the wilderness. And this I've brought up before because it is misrepresented again and again in some of these very popular YouTube videos with thousands and thousands of more (laughs) watchers than what I'm sure our (laughs) podcast will ever have. (laughs) But for those of you that have watched both, that scripture talks about the woman going into the wilderness for 1260 days. But if you read the Joseph Smith translation in the back of the book, it's not just a little footnote, you have to go to the back of the book, it says 1260 years. Mm -hmm. I talked about that before and how it was talking about the apostasy. And then I pulled up today for this podcast, the commentary from the Institute manual on that. Mm -hmm. And it says, John saw the church being delivered from the serpent by flying into the wilderness with eagle's wings. So some of these um, YouTube videos are saying that, you know, flying into the wilderness with eagle's wings means that they're avoiding maybe the years of tribulation by being caught up into heaven, which again is like the rapture, which we talked about before, which is a a belief of some other Christian denominations. Mm -hmm. But then it goes on, it says, in Israel's history, eagle's wings are a symbol of divine deliverance. The woman fleeing into the wilderness is symbolic of Satan driving the ancient church into a period of the great apostasy. When the authority of the priesthood was taken from the earth following the deaths of Jesus Christ and his apostles, the Joseph Smith translation, Revelation 12, 6, changes the term days to years. It's not talking about what they're saying. It's talking about at all. Yeah. And I just thought it was maybe a little important to clarify that because it is confusing a lot of people out there that are that are watching it and and uh, thinking that that is perhaps what the scriptures are teaching when really it's not. Yeah. 
it's good for us to have some, take a step back and do some clarification on some key points, some key definitions, understand what they mean. I think for all of us, as we study ourselves and listen to podcasts like ours or others, that it's really important that we do own our own learning, right? That we study and read for ourselves to determine where truth is, what is doctrine, and that we don't just assume because someone has a podcast or has a YouTube channel that's popular, that that means that it's that it's true, but that we really seek to the source of all truth for our learning. Yeah, I agree. And they, they really can be very confusing because they can be very eloquent and sound very sure of themselves and mm-hmm. be worded in such a way that it appears that they're proving their point. This podcast was far less dramatic and maybe less interesting than some of those YouTube videos that make it sound like more exciting things are projected to happen than maybe it actually are. (laughs) (laughs) It talks about how people will still be making merry and giving a marriage and, you know, life is still going to be going on in a lot of ways in a very normal fashion. And it might not be quite as dramatic in, in these other ways as some portray it to be. Yeah. And that is okay because I'm going to, I've had enough drama in my life. Right. I'm okay with just a little bit of stillness. It doesn't have to all be drama. There's going to be enough. We've had enough podcasts to learn all the other drama. So (laughs) we'll we'll take it where it doesn't exist. We'll take those like no added drama. How about we just close with an umbrella scripture? I like it. Although this kind of has felt like a good umbrella scripture, like the whole episode. That's true. All goodness. In John chapter 17, verse 15, it says, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from evil, which I also felt like was pertinent to the message that we're not going to be taken out of the world to avoid the tribulations of the last days. Rather, we can be kept from evil through the help of our Savior. I love it. Thanks, Christine. I appreciate your insights today. You're getting us to think differently about maybe things that we've heard before and helping us understand better definitions of words that we maybe didn't understand before so that we can use that and leverage that learning in our own study and in our own, you know, just digging into the scriptures. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.